0: On this episode, we discuss Book Club, the next chapter. Phase three of the Jane
1: Fonda and Her Elderly Friends Cinematic Universe. <laughs>
0: Of the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy.
2: I'm Stuart Wellington,
0: and I'm Elliot
1: Kalin. And I'm super excited about Flop TV, our upcoming run of monthly live streaming shows. Tickets available at theflophouse.simpleticks.com. More information about that later in the show. But Dan, do what you're doing. It's cute. Just do just do your adorable oh, cute. thing. Yeah, I'm cute.
0: I'm uh, sorry. Also, someone bought us flophouselive.com. If that's easier <laughs> to remember. Um, hey, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie or one that maybe didn't set the critical world ablaze. Dan, the one
1: we, we could... watched today was bad. There's no need to qualify it ahead of time, I just, spoiler look, alert. You <laughs> wanna
0: make sure that people understand. This is the thing, Like, no matter how many times I tell people, no matter how many times you get out of there, maybe by this time, they're trolling me. I say, it doesn't have to be a financial flop. They're like, but this movie made money. I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It's like what the reaction was to it. That's the main way we choose. And these, these are products. these
2: are like real people, not just these like re- strong like, well, men. You're I mean, on Twitter, with. so I
0: don't know how I, real they are. I think but. they're the
1: voices in your head as you take a shower and you have nothing else to distract you. Because I would say, looking at the mu- looking at the numbers, this movie I don't think made money.
0: Uh, well, probably not. Once, once you factor in marketing, you factor in marketing, no, and it did make money above its budget. But yeah, we it, could it just also- say that this is a podcast where we watch a movie. Yeah, you could just do that. Well, that seems a little less. It uh, just seems strange that
1: we've been.
2: We've been <laughs> Dan doing wants this podcast. to open it up so that he can watch TV shows sometimes. <laughs> <like that.
1: laughs> we've done this podcast for over 400 episodes now. Congratulations, uh-huh. guys! Oh, thank and you. How how is it that as we go on, the way we describe it gets longer? When, we, oh, which we should be refining it, refining so it all really, the time.
0: It's important. Yeah, you know, this came out at the same time as uh, what was it? Like a couple of big movies, Guardians Three and something else. Like this was. Something Real else. The movie. <laughs> Something yeah, this,
2: else has I mean, got to give. Oh, I mean, Super it was. Mario. Yeah, and
1: it was. It is smart to release this at the same time as this. Although no, when I saw I, Super Mario with my sons, they played the trailer for <laughs> this beforehand, and I thought it was an interesting choice. But then mm, they yeah. played the trailer for
0: every movie. But before then, this. Sammy went nuts when he saw Diane Keaton. He yep. said, I'm, I'm so glad she's this. making movies. I'm so I, glad she's making
1: movies. I loved her in Something's Gotta Give.
2: And I was like, uh-huh. what? That's <laughs> the one? Sammy. Like, I love how she dresses like a cool Urkel with a hat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's
0: amazing. I love her. I don't now, know that by Urkel cool, by, wore by, a lot of cardigans and like turtlenecks. <laughs> <and I'm
2: laughs> well, it's by like cool, her pants cool, are so high. Oh, by cool sure, Urkel sure. With, with a
1: hat, what you mean is Urkel. With a hat, because yeah, yeah. cool is yeah. kind of
2: self-explanatory. Her pants are super high, and her like her her shirts are buttoned all the way up to the top, and she's always wearing
0: long high steaks. pants. Well, are back in buttoning I, your shirt to the top? I don't know if it's still in. It got. I noticed it was back in a while ago, and I'm like, really, we're doing this now? That's so uncomfortable. Why not? Uh,
1: why not? It's just the the way. And uh, but I will say, there's a scene later in the movie we'll get to where mm-hmm. Diane Keaton. There's a dress with like spot. It's like a white dress with black yes. spots on it, and mm. they're like, it's like you as a dress. And I was like, movie, I'll give you credit, you did it. That is Diane Keaton as a
2: dress. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah, a perfect yeah, I love it. It was a perfect dress for her. Uh, and the the other day I went shopping and I bought some high-waisted trousers and Charlene called me daddy-o and I'm like, that's not dissuading me from buying
0: these. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I can't believe we're starting off by criticizing Diane Keaton's sartorial choices, a woman uh, who has a very I'm, distinct- I love it. ...style that, okay, I just want to clarify. No, it, and it works that's,
1: perfectly for her. It's a great style yeah. for her. I think we're all a fan. I mean, look, let's, I'm going to get one thing straight off here. I'm a fan of all the ladies in this movie and yeah, some uh-huh. of the men. Diane Keaton okay. is- by far my favorite of them. I've loved her in movies since I was young. She's amazing. I find her to be like mm-hmm. such a unique personality in film mm-hmm. in a way that it, she is somehow both, she is somehow like a a brilliant ditz, you know, that's always mm-hmm. been yep. like, mm-hmm. the yep. thing, but she can do other things. But when she is more herself in the movies, that's how it comes off. Um, but there's not that much going on in this movie. So if we got to talk no. about something, I guess we'll talk about Diane Keaton's oh, clothes, God. which is too bad because she does dress great. It, her style is fantastic, <laughs> you know?
0: I there was I couldn't find actual like backup for the you know a Letterbox review that claimed that this movie existed because uh, what's her face uh, Candice Bergen. Bergen. Bergen wanted Candy to take Bergen. a trip with these ladies to Italy and that's why she pitched it. I couldn't find uh, any confirmation. But did we, you try texting Candice Bergen? Oh, I should have. Yeah, did you ask Candy
1: about it? I do like in, <laughs> talking on the to with- my
0: friend Candy. Something no, that. hold well, on. Fa- let me finish what? this thought. Okay, sorry. Be- <laughs> uh, no, I just uh, as much as we may have like called the original book club thin, and we have said over the years that this is the least movie. Something can be. And be a movie like this movie. Is, this is really, I mean, is this really makes
1: tissue thing. It makes 80 for Brady look like a, a richly textured epic. I will Good say, movie. Dan, some backup for that Candace Bergen uh, theory sure. is that in, on the Wikipedia entry under possible sequel, it says Bergen said a possible third film could take place at Burning Man or, quote, Hong Kong just because. <laughs> so I think she really because is just I've pitching. Been there. Yeah, she's just pitching places <laughs> she it. wants to go. Yeah. yeah, I'm into
2: it. So uh, Candace now,
1: Bergen is the Adam Sandler of of L- older female actors, where it's just like, <laughs> where am I taking a vacation? Okay, my friends will come. We'll make a movie.
2: The well, th- and this movie begins with our our her- our heroes in quarantine, and we did the first book club movie right at the start of quarantine. Right?
0: Yeah, that's uh, probably where they got the idea. Yeah, I can't remember I how time. Feel works like no, I feel like we did remember.
2: it. I, for some reason, I feel like it was the first movie we did entirely remotely when I was like, mm. actually had COVID and was like, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> At least I'll die doing what I love, talking about book club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's why book club, the original, I remember – affecting me emotionally. Maybe yeah. I had a lot of COVID shit of going on. I think there's, yeah.
1: there's, there's going to be a time when flop historians look back at this period and they're like, Dan was very emotional for a couple of years when he watched the movies. Oh, that's because <laughs> everyone was going through the apocalypse. That's why.
2: Norm, normally yeah. Dan was known as Stoneheart McCoy because <laughs> because he was a walking resident. Glomgold, they called
1: mm-hmm. him. Half of the was duck of the same name. Cold as the tomb. Cold as a ghost's hand on your shoulder mm. while you're taking a shower in a haunted bathroom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's especially cold because you're not wearing a shirt. Uh, yeah. So, guys, should we talk about what happens Let's in Book Club the next the next chapter? And the title does open <laughs> it up for more chapters. This is the next mm-hmm. chapter.
2: Yeah, it doesn't okay. say final chapter like no. I'm
1: <laughs> so funny if the final chapter is that it somehow it ends with them on the lip of a volcano as the world is crumbling <laughs> around them, and they have to like they have to steal a a gem from an evil warlord that's using uh-huh. it to control the
2: earth. Like, well, this yeah, yeah, it's is like it, Ice Nine or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> the somehow
1: books? they en- they ended up in a in Stormbringer, and literally the forces of chaos are making the earth <laughs> unstable. <laughs> beneath their feet, yeah.
0: But uh, luckily, it, tie- it ties into whatever book they were just reading. Well, yeah, they're <laughs> reading
1: *Stormbringer* by by uh by Michael Moorcock. So they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is oh. just like when Elric called called upon yeah. the forces of of law to help. Him, yeah, they're you know? like,
2: well, let's do another dirty book like Fifty Shades of Grey. This author's name is Moorcock. Yes, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, I like some weird of the White Wolf. Mm. <laughs> uh, now there's now there's nothing I want to see more than that. Is 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 the book club the next chapter? Again, and it's the next next <laughs> yeah. chapter, and the reading the Elric novels. What's this
2: von Beck guy all about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see his Ebon Blade. Okay, so uh the uh, uh and one of them, their pants falls down, and the other one Thank looks away you. and says, "I don't need to see your hawk moon." You know. Mm-hmm, uh, yep. So
2: anyway, you got all any Eternal book. Champion? No, Countdown? I don't. Okay. That's are you familiar so with, the, with the with I the Michael Moorcock universe? Okay, I mind.
0: only threw the final program <laughs> that episode oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So you know a little uh, bit about Jer- Jerry Cornelius? Sure, yeah.
0: With, yeah. with Joel and Matt McGinnis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smiling mm-hmm. Stan. Look <laughs> get <it> up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Episode, so, whatever.
1: So, so let's get on to the the book of the next chapter. So just to refresh everybody's memories, in the previous movie <laughs> called Book Club, we were introduced mm-hmm. to four women whose character names I'm just not going to bother with. I'm just calling mm-hmm. them by their actors' names. Please. Okay. There's no reason. Uh, Diane Keaton's is the same. It's <laughs> Diane. That's your Diane Keaton's character's name, Diane. Uh, they've been friends for decades. They're now in a book club. In the previous movie, inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey, they made some changes to their lives. Free loving hotelier Jane Fonda allows herself to fall in love with Don Johnson. Nervous mm-hmm. widow Diane Keaton allows herself to love Andy Garcia. Mary mm-hmm. Steenburgen rekindles her sex life with husband Craig T. Nelson. And judge and elderly incel Candace Bergen finally thaws <laughs> and has sex with Richard Dreyfuss. And so that's the first movie. That's the whole thing you don't need to know anymore. We Thanks. open with a voiceover. Diane Keaton asks, how does a woman in her 70s get married? We don't get the answer to that question yet. First, we get a long montage of the ladies meeting over Zoom during COVID. This goes on for a long time, guys. Did you think we would see this much Zoom COVID
2: footage? Uh, I was well, impressed with their fucking lighting rig because Zoom is not uh, Zoom is not very charitable to poor lighting setups, but they were yeah. killing it.
0: I was not expecting any, so this was definitely more than that. It did seem, like, Dan likes to go in as a blank slate when he sees a movie, Elliot. <laughs> he calls himself a Daniela
2: Rasa, yeah.
0: I didn't know that this would, I don't know that even if I looked at a synopsis, they would focus <laughs> on the fact that it starts out with a bunch it of It seems zooming. weird that Book
1: Club feels the need to be, one, topical, and two, that it has to give, a, give the characters a motivation for why they would want to go on a
0: trip together. Like, oh, we've <laughs> yeah. been stuck
1: in our houses. We should go on a trip together.
0: yeah. It's, and all these things are shot, you know, like, clearly one at a time. Like, they don't seem to be interacting with anyone. It's just like they're delivering zingers to camera.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of zingers in this. I think – i I'm not sure if I want to give them credit for trying to make the movie mean a little bit something by tapping into a modern thing, but it, it does feel unnecessary. But one thing we do learn during that time, Craig T. Nelson survives a heart attack and Candice uh-huh. Bergen retires from her job as a judge. Now COVID is over and they reunite in person ostensibly and- –
2: Yep. And Mary Steenburgen
1: loses her restaurant. That's true. And her restaurant closed during COVID. She's a chef. Uh-huh. Did we forget to mention that? She's a chef. It's she's it, a chef, yeah. It's surprisingly much more important to this, this movie than it is to the previous
2: movie. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty important.
1: Uh so the uh ostensibly they're getting together to talk about The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Ask me how many copies of that I sold when I lived at, when I, lived at, when I worked at Barnes Noble. <laughs> I never lived at Barnes Noble. <laughs> I wasn't like I wasn't like you know, Leonardo you. DiCaprio in Growing Pain, sleeping in a closet. Like <laughs> I was I troll. sold when I was a bookseller at a, at Barnes Noble, I probably sold seventeen hundred copies of The Alchemist. It was wow. a very popular book, very popular. I was second on-
2: only to The Game and book uh, and books you've sold. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was unfamiliar with this book. I read the Wikipedia article about it, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know obviously the best way to experience any work of literature. Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> you know what's the deal? What's it about? Uh, well, it's it's based on. I guess, sort of an old folktale just about, like, oh, a man has a dream about there's treasure somewhere. It gets interpreted as, like, oh, there's treasure somewhere else. He goes to that other place, and then once he's there, he hears about another dream that the treasure was at the original place he had the dream about, so he goes back and gets it. (laughs) And, like, the point is, like, I guess that your treasure is where you already were, or I, I don't even know. It seemed like... It seemed like someone had taken an old folktale and turned it into kind of a new agey like uh, thing about living your life. Yes, it's uh, a real self
1: help novel. It's it's a real self. Yeah. Se- I mean the the a lot of people would buy this book in con- at Barnes Noble in conjunction with the Four Agreements. Uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz, right. so it's a, like uh, it's one of those books that is a it's a novel, but it's like
0: a self help novel.
1: Or like yeah. the, the same people who would buy like the Celestine Prophecy would buy it. You know, yes, um, okay. so I got the impre-
0: like again Wikipedia. There's not a way of experiencing this book. I could be unfair to it. I got the impression. <laughs> Reading about it, that it was something that I would throw across the room in disgust.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. <Okay. laughs>
1: well, these ladies do not throw it across the room. Instead, they take a somewhat inspiration, although the book kind of feels like an afterthought. They'll just mention it every now and then, and it feels like they just threw it in to justify calling this movie book club and not mm. just like best or exotic friends. Italian yeah. hotel, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we also learned that Candace Bergen is now a fuck machine. She is just constantly screwing guys yeah. Yeah. and everyone knows it. She has gone from the, the from the most spinsterish uh of the of the ladies to just Someone who's really owning her body and owning her sexuality in a way that is as inspiring to the audience as it is annoying to her friends. And Jane Fonda reveals to everybody that she's engaged. And Mary Steenberg is like, remember how we all wanted to go to Italy together decades ago and we didn't because Diane Keaton got pregnant? Let's do that for Jane's bachelorette party. And this idea is greeted with a resounding, no, we're not going to do that. Guys, were you surprised? You knew they would go to Italy.
2: You saw the poster. Were you thrown Mm. for a loop when they said, no, we're not going to go? This feels like a pretty big conflict. I don't know if they're going to be able to resolve it in the movie's <laughs> runtime. I don't think they'll
0: resolve it within the next 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess not since the trip to Italy. Has there been a movie that, that, uh, that had less conflict about whether they should go to Italy or not?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, the reasons they all give are, I, I forget what they are, they, but if it were me, I feel like the movie doesn't need this beat where they like decide to go. At all. Like, there's, I mean, although I also texted Audrey to say that, or, uh, I also texted you guys, I remembered, to say that if they cut out all of the stuff that doesn't need to be in this movie, there would be no movie. But, like, yes. this part, like, there's no reason to, like, go through this, like, unless they're, like, literally doing, like, a Joseph Campbell. Like, okay, <laughs> they got to refuse the calls. Or, I think- <laughs> like, all of the reasons that I would give to not take a trip to Italy are not the reasons that this movie gives, which are, like, uh, I don't know. That's like a lot of money and fuss. <laughs> like, well, that, you
1: know. a, a person who is not a retired rich person would yeah. say, I have a life. I can't just pick up and run off to Italy. This is expensive. I don't know if I can afford it. I have to go to the trouble of booking it and planning it. But these Mm -hmm. characters live in a fantasy world where they have unlimited money and unlimited Uh time. And so Uh they can just up and go. I mean, later on, as we'll see, they lose their luggage and they're like, I guess we'll have to buy new things. And it's like. This is
2: the wildest (laughs) moment in the whole movie when (laughs) they lose their luggage. And I'm like, are you telling me I'm going to have to go through the rest of this movie without being able to appreciate the signature style of Diane Keaton (laughs) and Jane Fonda? That's wild. But nope, it's barely a roadblock. There is no reason. It doesn't
1: <laughs> bother them. And either they are so rich that they can just buy new everything, which is where they are, or all the characters are such devout Buddhists that they're like, possessions, they're tra- they're transitive. You can't hold on to them, and all desire I guess leads to suffering. The text doesn't
2: tell us which it is. <laughs> you don't
1: know which. I mean, there is a little bit of text that suggests that Jane Fonda is not a Buddhist and that she's looking at churches for her wedding. And with Don Johnson. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just that Don Johnson is a devout Catholic in this movie. It doesn't really mm-hmm. come up that much. And Don Johnson thinks Jane should go. And the fact that they have this conversation in front of a statue of St. Christopher, the patron saint of travelers, they take that as a sign. Now, does it hurt your gut? Go- you guys, I'm sure, were like, oh, that's beautiful. Does it hurt it at all to know that St. Christopher probably did not exist, was probably not a real person?
0: Uh, I mean, I the amount that I care about the saints could not be uh, understated. a football team? <laughs> okay. like, I just... Because I I know
1: when I think about St. Christopher and I think, well, according to tradition, he is a giant with a dog's head. I want him to be a real person so badly, but it's not – but he wasn't,
2: you know, so – uh, I mean, so it hurts I, me. you yeah. posed that question to me as if I believe in the, the Christian gods and <laughs> we all know I don't. That's
1: true. I don't know if any of us do.
2: <laughs> I mean, I certainly
1: don't. Maybe Dan does. He can. We can leave it up to the next episode of The Peach Bit when we talk about our faith. Then Candace,
2: <laughs> she swears a
1: lot over speakerphone and they're embarrassed in the church. Candace Bergen's cat dies. Another omen. She has nothing holding her back from going to Italy yes. now. And I wish this, this had turned into a kind of like don't look now type thing where she's seeing her cat around yeah. Italy. And yes. It's a sign that she's in mm-hmm. danger. But that doesn't uh, happen. And then she gets stabbed by a... Uh, a
2: little, like a little hairy person. <laughs> yeah. Spo- spoiler and a, alert.
1: Like a cat, a cat stabbed by a cat in a red jacket. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh lifelong bachelor Andy Garcia, who is now Diane Keaton's beau, he obviously wants to get married, but Diane Keaton, she is anti-marriage now. She doesn't want a part of it. They all fly to Rome. Hey, guys, if you're- Andy Garcia sent-
2: looks like he put the least effort in by the way, which is yeah, I would say that it doesn't look like he's trying
0: very hard. But I, I think mean, he put in a, an appropriate amount of effort <laughs> to his role in this film. Book club, the next chapter. I mean,
1: that's it's like that run is a razor fair.
2: over that face, buddy.
1: I mean, it's nobody like, is nobody is putting in an enormous amount of effort. <laughs> I would like. I feel like the MVP of the movie is probably the actor Giancarlo Giannini, who we'll run into later. Who I'll yeah. we'll talk about mm-hmm. it when he gets to it. But uh, they fly to Rome. Hey guys, what would be the most cliche song for them to play as they fly to Rome? Uh, uh, Rome by the B-52s? Uh, nope. That would still be more exciting than what they do play which is Mambo Italiano a song I genuinely don't like. I don't understand why it still exists. It is so clearly a novelty <laughs> song. it still exists? It, it's a, it's Are a, you it's suggesting a, we should... Yeah.
0: To go yeah, to the National archives. archives. Mambo
1: Italiano. So- and maybe it's a- maybe it's only because it's a song that I used to have to listen to a lot when I worked at that same Barnes Noble where I was selling people copies of The <laughs> yeah, Alchemist.
2: was Be- Little Italy.
1: There was an album that was in the playlist called Mob Hits, and our manager was Italian, <laughs> and she's like, I love these songs. So we'd have to hear Mambo Italiano three or four times a day at least. And hear? it's just like— it's just-
0: Volare. Is that one there?
1: I don't remember, but they did okay. literally have da 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 you know, the Tarantella. Tarantella. The, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's a montage of them walking around Rome. They make a lot of jokes. They, they they make a joke about what Candace Bergen calls her fanny back fanny pack, and I'm like I I love it. They're finding new variations on the same material from eighty for Brady.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, and there's. I think they did that scene in in that scene uh, in that like a square on the, uh, with steps in it in Rome that I just the other day saw Tom Cruise getting in a car chase in the new Mission Impossible. Maybe that's the same day. Was that the
1: Spanish steps or are they different steps?
2: I don't know. They well, did, there's no sign.
1: And so they spend a lot of time looking at nude Roman statues and just riffing jokes about them. And it's like this is what the audience that's coming to this wants to see, which is these four ladies making sex jokes about statues in in beautiful Roman settings.
0: But all of them seem like jokes that were like improvised on the day. Like, Like let's just do a couple more. And, like, none of them were as good as the whatever they had scripted. So, like, in a normal movie, they'd be t- tossed out. Because, like, all of these are like, okay, I guess that's kind of a joke. <laughs> like, it's yeah. sort of funny. Like, oh, look, he's remained hard for centuries because he's made of uh, stone as a statue. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, like, really obsessed with the penises on these statues. They are and old. Like, old late,
1: Dan, if you don't spend time around older women much— in my experience, spending time around my grandmothers, penises is 80% of what they think about. I mean, And 20%, I, is, 20% is what are we going to eat next? And eight, the mm. other 80% is penises, stories about penises they've <laughs> known, what penises are around them at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, Just look, judging
1: by the sample set of my two
0: grandmothers, this is what they talk about. I got to say, I love that. <laughs> As a movie, it was funny to me that like there were a couple of, like at the beginning, it's all just sort of, Montages, but not like high energy quick cut no. montages, just sort very, of like very leisurely ca- montages <laughs> of them looking at penises and making jokes about how they're old now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, the, this, the, the, your focus audience on this, your, your ideal audience cannot take a quick cut montage. It might mm-hmm. give them a heart no. attack. You gotta Yeah, if they eat, watch
2: surp- that scene from Taken 3, their eyeballs would <laughs> fly out of their yeah. heads.
1: <laughs> they just go into immediate cardiac arrest. I'm surprised that the movie doesn't use uh, von Sternberg style slow dissolves between the different cuts yeah. just to make it, yeah. just to ease you in. But anyway, all this fun riffing on these statues' dicks, it ends when Mary <laughs> Steenburgen catches Craig T. Nelson on the kitchen spot camera eating bacon in her kitchen. He's not supposed to do that. He had a heart attack. He Can't eat bacon, and now when the cats when the cat's away, the mouse is going to eat bacon. I don't think so. But there's only one way to get over this: wedding dress shopping montage. They take Jane Fonda to what looks like the most expensive wedding dress shop tailor shop in the world, probably. They all put on dresses. We don't even get we don't get that much of them shaking their heads back and forth. No, which (laughs) is the best part of a trying on
2: montage.
0: But I I like this scene. I wouldn't. (laughs) So, Give me a a dress try on montage, please. I will admit, and it may surprise you, I don't know a lot about shopping for a wedding dress. But at high-end places, do they typically like when all four of the people there want to try on dresses even though one of them is a bride?
1: I would say probably, yes, that those dresses are so expensive that your job is to sell one of them. And if it takes— Pouring champagne down their gullets until they—they're so drunk they don't even know what they're doing. It takes all of them trying addresses, like just selling one dress, and that probably pays his rent for a month. So. He'll let them try on whatever. He'll let them try on his clothes. This is the tailor I'm talking about. You want to yeah. get married in this? huh? <laughs> like like they can they can pee on a couple of the dresses just to see how the fabric absorbs or if it bounces stains off. As long as he sells one <laughs> yeah. dress, he's fine. Very important. And luckily, he sells, as we later find out, two dresses because uh, they yeah. insist Diane Keaton wear a dress that's big black dots and as we said earlier in the episode, they say, that's you as a dress and they are totally right. This is whoever, I'm going to say this, this movie should be nominated for no Academy Awards except for costume design because that dress has so perfectly captured Diane Keaton's soul in the form of a dress and Mm -hmm. that's just good that's just good costume design
2: I feel like when the dress is first presented it is hatless and I'm like ooh it's missing something
0: (laughs) subject is hatless (laughs) (laughs) where is the
2: where's the wide bring hat (laughs) don't worry she's gonna get it because because
1: she needs she needs to dress like a like she's about to get she's about to go con somebody in a poker game on a riverboat in the form (laughs) of her hat you know Uh, it's not a Diane Keaton outfit unless Harold Hill Hands her his hat to put on top. <laughs> so uh, they hang out and drink and they're just having a good time until a street caricaturist who's drawing a sexy picture of Candace Bergen insists that they have
2: to You go mean to- a regular picture of Candace Bergen.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. I apologize. It was redundant. It was redundant what I said. And I mean and the other thing is they're all like, look at her, like with all the men. And it's like Candace Bergen was, you know, I mean, they were all all of these women were were notorious beauties throughout their careers. But Bergen yeah, especially notorious. I feel like notorious because of the crimes they committed through their beauty. Uh the but uh, and when especially when she was young it was like she was the she was treated just as the as a you know, she was she was the blonde goddess, you know, and things yeah. like that. So it makes sense. Anyway, uh they they're like but again, they're rich retirees so they're like I assume they already paid for hotel rooms in Rome, but they're like let's go to Venice. Let's get to Veni everybody. We're going to mm-hmm. vent it up. They go to the train mm. station, here's where they make the only mistake of the movie. They hand off their luggage to the porters at the train station and the porters seem genuinely surprised that they're receiving luggage. They only only to learn when they finally get to Venice after a long train trip the train station doesn't have porters. Their luggage has been stolen. Although I don't know if you can call it stealing if someone literally hands you the luggage. It's possible those guys mm-hmm. were just wearing vests.
2: They, I don't know they, about Roman they, fashion. They comment on that. Yeah, they yeah.
0: comment on that. They, yeah, they could be bike messengers. Now, yes. much like in uh, uh, you know, a similar film, 80 for Brady, uh, an important item has now been lost and will, much like in 80 for Brady, not have any real bearing on the plot. Yeah. Uh, even more so, in fact. Like, th- this is, it is wild, the degree to which losing all of their luggage seems to impact them not one bit other than some brief, uh, you know, distress and uh, Diane Keaton admitting, like, oh, I had the ashes of my husband. Yeah. In it seemed that, like, I, the only time I got mad at the movie, like, I yelled at the, <laughs> at the screen at one point during the scene, just tell them! Because, like, it's yeah. the most ridiculous, like waffling around. Like they're all like, "No, it's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. We mo-. like. There's no like. She's clearly in distress. I'm like, why are you doing this movie? There's no reason why she wouldn't just tell her friends like, "I had my husband's ashes."
1: Well, she's embarrassed. She knows it's illegal and. and- <laughs> And, yeah. and also, Dan, she's a – because I don't know if you ever saw the episode of My Secret Addiction where the woman is eating her husband's ashes. But it's possible it's one of those situations. Oh, okay. She and brought she brought the, it along as a to snack. Eat. Yeah, as a snack. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And she doesn't want to share it with everybody. So that's the thing. <laughs> she doesn't want to tell them because they'll be like, mm, give me a handful of ashes. Yum, They're yum, like, yum. And she, she doesn't want to share. She's, she's Diane, selfish. Diane,
0: you're, you're getting cranky again. Why don't you uh, eat some, another snack out of that urn you're carrying around with? <laughs> your snack out your, urn.
1: Out of your snack urn, yeah. <laughs> Guys,
2: I've traveled a little you know, here and there. And I got to say, the thought of like losing all my luggage is terrifying. And I'm not somebody who has to travel with what I'm guessing is a large collection of pills.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's something they never bring up, which you know for sure is a problem. They all have medication and their medication is gone now. But that's the fantasy. The fantasy Smart is that travelers,
0: you, they, like all, they, yeah, I mean, it's all in their stuff carry-on. stuff, is in the carry-on. I mean, well,
1: I mean the fact that Jane Fonda has brought her wedding dress as carry-on on the train is <laughs> a
2: weird, is a weird thing. She also know? seems to be carrying it sometimes, and other times she's <laughs> like, eh, "It'll show up at the next stop." Yeah, my guess <laughs> is that
1: continuity was not not, not a real, uh, not a real focus for this movie. Uh, but it's true. The but you're right. And Candace Bergen, she probably has all their pills in her in her waist wallet or whatever she calls her fanny back. Now, uh, this movie. Uh, it does, it, I feel like we have to, we, it's hard to overstate how little they seem to give a shit that all of their worldly possessions <laughs> that they brought with them are gone, except for Diane Keaton's husband's ashes. And I was like, all right, I guess they have to buy, we have to watch them buy new stuff. They never get around to it. So you have to assume they're just traveling through Italy without toothbrushes, underpants, like maybe they did it off camera. I don't know, but they seem to have so much time gallivanting around that they're just, they, we're, they're just without yeah. the normal things that, because I agree if I lose my luggage on a trip. That's the trip is gone for the first couple de- – until I get that luggage back. It's the only thing I'm focused on.
2: Like yeah. I like to think I'm fucking chill and cool, but honestly, it will I stress me
1: out. <laughs> well, it, it reminds me it, it reminds me of – there's a, the, uh, a a former colleague of Dan and mine's, uh, Trayvon Free. He once tweeted a picture of, of Kanye West getting out of a taxi cab in New York while holding a, a MacBook laptop – by the corner between two fingers as he steps out of a cab. And Trayvon was like, this is, I've never seen anything more rich than, you can't be more rich than walking out of a taxi cab, holding a, a, a laptop as if it's a piece of garbage that you don't mind if it <laughs> falls out of your fingers as you're getting out of the, the cab. Like it was the most, it was like just the, just such a total idea that this computer is disposable and I could just buy mm-hmm. a new one in a moment if I drop this, you know? And so th- it's that's the world they're living in. They're living in a world of, Anything they want is at their beck and call because they're unlimited – they've unlimited – they did the cheat code at the beginning for unlimited wealth. And yeah, it's any, a, and
2: anytime they need a new outfit, they have one that matches their specific, their specific amazing style. style. Yeah. And
1: and uh, although I will say losing their luggage it at least pays off the moment that drove me the n- most nuts in the movie, which is when Mary Steenberger goes, my purse is gone. I lost my purse. And they search for it. and It turns out to be under her seat. And they spend so much time. It, I mean, screen time is probably ten seconds, but it felt like I was in purgatory. It felt like I was jaunt, <laughs> I was in the I was on the long jaunt.
2: Yep. And I had opened my I, eyes during eternity of them
0: searching for a purse. This is what happens in a movie when there's so little going on. There's a point towards the end of the movie where they spoiler. We'll get there. Like, but they're all assembled for a wedding. Uh huh. Yep. Like. Any other movie, you'd be like, okay, we're seven minutes from the end and there's 26 minutes left in the film. I'm like, well, how is this possible? What is going to happen? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. How, could they, how could time be bent so that there's still more to do in this movie? Uh, anyway. So and it, there's, it, it all reminds me, and we'll move on in a moment, but it reminds me, there's a scene in the movie uh, Meet Joe Black where mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. introducing, the characters are meeting Joe Black. He's introduced, Anthony Hopkins yep. is introducing Title, Brad Pitt to yeah. his kids. And- <laughs> He's he can't think of a name for Brad Pitt's character, who we know is deaf, and they're like his name, what they call him, like what is it? Uh, uh, and it goes on forever. And because you look at uh, a
0: cup of coffee and go, Joe Black, is that how it happens? I don't remember because mm-hmm. uh, there was
1: a Conan O'Brien sketch where they they used to do a thing where they would just uh they would show scenes from movies and they'd mess with them in some way and they extended <laughs> that moment so it went on <laughs> it went on for so long of him trying to stumble and figure out this name and that's what the scene feels like. Anyway. Uh, Maybe they do that off camera, uh, buying stuff. So the ladies are pretty blase about losing their stuff. But when the police chief— Tells them he can't do much to help them. Candace is very rude to him, and this police chief is played by Giancarlo Giannini, who is a yeah. major Italian actor. Was one of Lena Wirtmuller's favorite leading men. He's the star yeah. of Swept Away, the star of Seven Beauties. Like he it, got this is, he
2: got murdered by Hannibal in the he movie. He did. Get Hannibal. Murdered yes, by Hannibal. he's in
1: Hannibal. He's like this is a guy. He's in he's in uh, the first two Daniel Craig James Bond movies. But like this is a guy who is a major part of Italian cinema, and it's just very funny to see him in this movie and. He, I feel like he is not doing a lot in this movie, but he's doing enough that I like him in this yeah. movie. But it's, it, there's this part of me that's like, is he seeing this as a professional where it's like, hey, at least I'm working? Or is he like, I can't believe I'm in this nonsense, this nothing of a movie, you know? Is he enjoying <laughs> it or sure not? I'm sure
0: he did it because he wanted to meet these ladies, probably. That's possible.
1: Yeah. That's very possible. So uh, Giancarlo, if you're listening, please write in,
0: tell us. Yeah, write in, yeah. Yeah. This is a scene though where I'm like, you know, it's hard to make me sympathize with the cop in a scene, but I, but I was kind of like, what do you like? What do you expect? <laughs> like you well, that- handed your luggage to people. And now you're like making these snide remarks about how the police can't do much. About in another it. city,
1: you showed up in Venice, and you're telling the police chief of Venice, "Hey, I handed my bags to somebody in Rome. Find them for me." He's like, <laughs> yeah. I, "There's nothing. There's literally nothing I can do. Like this, I don't know. I guess I'll put out an APB for your luggage in another <laughs> city." Uh, but it's so it, Candace Bergen is really out of line, but she'll learn her lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do not buy. They, they ride around Venice, and they stay for free at Jane Fonda's friends' luxury hotel. We never see them buy new. T- Toothbrushes at the hotel. No. Candace Bergen does not waste time. She flirts with Uzman, a retired yeah, British professor. who also wears a fanny pack. He is hitting on her hard. And uh and this is a this is played by an actor named Hugh Quarshie who was Oh, uh, you in- mean
2: Captain Panaka from
0: uh <laughs> Star Wars The Phantom Menace? Yeah, that's oh, what he's best Highlander? known for. Yep. Yeah, he was also in <laughs> <laughs> Highlander. He's in a lot of stuff, also. He but had yes, a lot he is- of charm in this. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, sings he,
2: that he sings that pretty good Italian cover of Gloria, Carrie yeah. E later. Sure. He
1: also appeared in Fantastic <laughs> Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So he's been in a flophouse movie
2: before. Uh, oh, cool.
1: But, but uh yeah, he uh yeah, he so so he invites them to a party. Uh, there's a scene where Jane Fonda and Don Johnson are flirting over text silently with no words, and you have to assume they just told them to walk around a room pretending to text and then just put in. Like, fake texts later. There's no, point. And you know There's what? no reason for this. <laughs> what do they
0: put in the dirtiest text <laughs> <Yeah. afterwards?
1: laughs> I'm imagining my cock in you, right, in you right now. Guess where? No, I'm imagining it in me. Guess where? Ears? No. Nose? Yes. That is hot. That's some dirty stuff, Elliot. <laughs> and they're just, and, and, and then Jane Fonda watches this at the premiere and is like, what did you do to my movie? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so they go to this fancy dinner. They don't have to worry about a hotel room. They're staying at Jane's Friends Hotel. They go to a fancy dinner that Usman has invited them to. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Usman sings Gloria, and Mary joins him on the accordion. But more importantly, Mary Steenburgen learns that the chef where they're having the dinner is her old cooking
2: school boyfriend,
1: Gianni. Uh Uh-oh. But wait, She's married.
2: But she's married she can't to, Craig talk to another man. But I man. guess there's no rules when you're in Venice, right,
1: guys? When you're in Italy, yeah, what happens in Venice stays in Venice because the water levels rise so high that you're yeah. trapped there. There's no yeah, way it's to get dangerous. out. There's no roads. City
2: sinking. What if at yeah. the end
1: of Back to the Future, he said, where we're going, we don't need roads, and they just went to Venice?
2: <laughs> It'd be even weirder if they went to roads in Greece, the island yeah, roads. And
0: you're like, true. "What? You said the opposite, dude." <laughs> yeah. No, I said we're going to roads. <laughs> no you didn't.
1: You said where we're going we don't need roads. You misheard me, Marty. You misheard me. I said we we're going its roads. Why would you phrase it that way? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Anyway, that's that was a cut scene from yeah, Back to the Future Part Two, yeah. the, a ta- a Greek vacation. Yeah. So there's no time traveling in this one.
2: And yeah, they, no, they, no, there's time traveling. They end up in the wrong universe, and the Colossus of Rhodes is a giant <laughs> Biff. It's
1: a giant Biff. Yeah, that w- what an amazing second movie that would have been if instead they went to ancient Greece to s- and Biphiles, Biff's ancestor is there, and they accidentally set it up so that he, be- he becomes the king of Greece forever. Oh, man. What a <laughs> – I want to <sighs> see that so badly now. Yeah, and they
2: yeah they set up some kind of imperial cloning system so that the it's always just Biffs after Biffs.
1: Uh, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because they because the thing is Archimedes finds the the the, the, the flux capacitor and he's able to uh-huh. reverse engineer it into amazing technological feats. Mm. Um, Archimedes
2: is Merlin's bird, right? Is that the situation? <laughs> yes, yeah. it's
1: Merlin's mechanical bird from Glass of the Titans because that's happening <laughs> in the same universe. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, God, well, I will, now I want to see that movie really badly. I,
0: I'm sorry I didn't join in on that. I was too busy thinking about Negatronic Teenage Warhead of Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: So anyway, uh, Mary gets a tour of Gianni's kitchen while Jane and Diane have a heart of, to- heart of uh, while Jane and Diane have a heart to heart talk, which is one of many heart to heart talks our characters will have starting at this yeah. point in the movie. The tension, the sexual tension, is so thick between Mary and Gianni, and I have to, I have to say, during this scene of just the two of them hanging out. They did a really good job of just communicating through their mood kind of this feeling of kind of awkward sexual attractiveness yeah. and, and remembering what it was like and having a history. Mary Steenburgen and this actor who uh, – I don't remember his name. Oh, oh uh, Vincent Vincent Riotti is this actor and Riota. And uh they just do a really fantastic you of uh, Dan of course you'll remember him from your favorite movies Captain Corelli's Mandolin and Under the casting Sun <laughs> sure, uh, sure, you're always talking you call your real your real son head and a real man's head Uh mm-hmm. they they he they they do a really good job in this this is a scene that is in a dumb movie it goes to a
0: dumb place and then they immediately ruin it with it immediately ruin it, it stupid really real,
1: with a misdirect where it looks like they're inside the chef's van that's inside his kitchen and it's rocking back and forth and they're grunting and you're like, up oh, they gave in and they had sex. Nope, they're inside the van making pasta together. That would have been
2: wild if they they actually just had sex, right? Mm.
1: I don't know. To be honest,
2: they're old. He, she's in another country. Her husband's I'm not saying of a it's jerk, like you know. wild if in the real world those two characters oh, I see. had but in sex. This movie, I'm saying in this specific movie that was the choice the, they made.
1: The, <laughs> well, it, only because it's not her character because right after this, the police chief catches Candace Bergen and and Osman having sex on a boat in the canals. I mean, in Venice. he
2: was in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> I get it.
0: I get it. I mean, he's that's the it's, important thing. That's what you look for in a sexual partner. Were you yeah. in the Phantom Menace? <laughs> you asked. Yeah.
1: yeah, and they go, "Yeah, I played one of the one of the battle bots." Yeah, of Did course.
0: You? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dope. Sure. You have Let's any sexually down. transmitted diseases? Were you in the Phantom Menace? Uh-huh. Those are the two yep. questions. Yeah. I always Look, always have man, to ask.
1: Misa will say whatever it takes to get you into this bedroom.
0: <laughs> well, I don't no, know. You It you seems you like were. you were in the Phantom Menace. <laughs>
1: yeah. Why. Uh, yeah. So the uh, so the next morning, they decide, you know what? Venice drools, Tuscany rules. Let's drive <laughs> straight to Tuscany uh, because we, we're, we've we already used up this city. Uh, and they just drive through I the countryside. Do love
2: a- this sequence because at no point they're driving do you see another car on the road? They'll drive no. through empty towns. <laughs> it is like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, this is
1: the 28 Days Later of, of Italy, uh, as far as these these ladies are concerned. And I again, that would be a great turn for this movie to take. It's like Night of the Comet or something, where for yep. whatever reason, they have slept through the end of the world and now <laughs> they don't realize it and they're still on this bachelorette trip and zombies are showing up. Uh, there's this character who shows up where Jane Fonda assumes it's a stripper, but it's just a cop. What now, if it was a zombie and she assumed it was a, a zombie-themed stripper? Guys, yeah. would that be even funnier? But let, we'll, even get to that. we'll get to even that. Even
2: funnier because this oh, okay. might be the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. So they're
1: driving. It's set to Italian-language Kenny Loggins music. So you know this movie's great. You know exactly who the audience is for it. Uh, and
2: Mary, uh, Which she, one? I'm All Right from Caddyshack? <laughs> no, no. It's the,
1: it's the like, what I want. bump, You know, that one. Uh, so that's, that's uh, Kenny Loggins, right? Hall and Oates. No, that's, that's Hall and I was Oates. Hall and Oates. Yeah. Sorry, it's Italian language Hall and Oates. I don't care. I don't like any of that stuff, guys. <laughs> so
0: I, I apologize to Mr. Logan, Mr. Elliot. Hall and Mr. Oates. You have to start liking it, <laughs>
1: guys. When I, I know that I'll be too old when I start listening to Steely Dan, and that'll be my entry point to that mm-hmm. to those songs. So, um, so Mary, so I apologize. It's Italian language Hall and Oates, uh, or as they're called there. Hall et oats. Oh, no, Hall <laughs> e Oates. What's, what's the answer in yeah. Italian? Perfect. E, hall e oats yeah. Et is French, that's right. So uh, Mary sees Johnny has texted her and she's like, oh no, this is gonna show up on my iPad at home. My husband will see it. He's gonna have another heart attack. And the other ladies give her a tough love speech. They literally say, okay, tough love. And this is again, one of many speeches that they will give throughout the movie to each other that, where they start, okay, tough love. I don't remember this for the first movie. Is this a thing that they did or are they introducing it now as if it's always been one
2: of their no I don't things? know, I like it. When when, I like when friends give each other tough love. It's, yeah. You know, it's mean, no, but just well, literally say, really okay, question, tough love. As that if thing like, that when I say, before. when yeah, I say, yeah. you guys should give me tough love sometimes okay. instead of just soft love all the time. Well, it's just the idea I, that
1: you, you can say tough love and then whatever you say after that cannot be taken in an effect. I mean, you can't be off, offended at.
0: Yeah, yeah you say it. Stuart, when you say it, it sounds like you're asking for a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I think the question is just like, was this a thing that was established <laughs> oh, as a okay. thing that they did?
1: And I don't remember. I don't think it was, but I don't remember. Maybe it was. Anyway, the ladies reveal, so they get a flat tire. They're thinking of her tough love. They say, your fear of your husband's death is driving you apart. You're not letting your husband live and it's hurting your marriage. Mm. And they get a flat tire, night falls. And the ladies reveal to Jane, we have to get to Tuscany because Don Johnson is waiting for you there. We arranged it so you could be married as a surprise in Tuscany. Yeah, Ta-da. this is And if awful. I was Jane- if I was Jane Fonda, my reaction would be, fuck you, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, uh, so you're gonna spring my own wedding on me as a surprise? What kind of friends yeah. are you? But instead she's like, uh, "This, fla- but this flat tire is a bad omen. Maybe that universe is saying I shouldn't get married and a cop shows up to help. Jane Fonda assumes it's a stripper because he's attractive. And, uh-huh. where else w- and what better way to arrange having a stripper show up than to be at a random latitude and longitudinal spot in the middle of the <laughs> Italian countryside? Like, does she think that they- Planned she thinks her friends are tire, that good, you know? Then dropped a pin and said to the stripper, come to this pin. I hope you're within an <laughs> hour mean, of
0: this spot. That is, all of that is not entirely implausible. What bothers me about he this set scene up like a
2: Wiley Coyote trap. Is how yeah.
0: <laughs> Jane Fonda persists in like fondling him and not believing, no matter how many times everyone else is like, no, 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 that's a real cop. Like, yeah. well, fuck you movie. This, this, I, this- yeah. Bullshit. It is a,
1: it is one of those farce moments where a character does something stupid because the movie yeah. is going to think it's funny. But anyway, they get thrown in jail. In jail, they each give each other tough love speeches. The next morning, mm-hmm. the police chief of Venice shows up. I guess he has jurisdiction in Tuscany. He heard the ladies were there and he decided <laughs> to – or yeah. maybe he's the police chief of all of Rome and he just stops at <laughs> town after town on his rounds. Like mm-hmm. why is he there? Why would they be like, oh, yeah – we heard you were, de- we, you're the guy who put in the report about four old ladies missing their luggage. <laughs> I think we've got the old ladies you're looking for. Come to Tuscany overnight. But anyway. Well, he has a, he has a ladies, spoiler alert. on not helicopter. Oh, actually, you know what? I forgot. There is a reason he's there. They found Diane's husband's ashes and he's returning them. That's what it's, I don't know yeah. how he knows that he's, that they're there, but he's returning the ashes. She probably Candace, put
0: like one of those like finders in the ashes. Yeah, he dropped, he dropped yeah, yeah. A, he an a lo-
2: tag in her bag. Th-
0: there's, yeah. a,
1: there's a, there's a low jack on, on the ashes <laughs> yeah. and on them, yeah. <laughs> you try. It's just much like. So what I heard. So my fam, Some family members of mine. Not my. Not my immediate family. But my. My relatives of mine. They okay. went. They went on a trip to Dubai on a vacation. And apparently, when they got there, the Dubai government was at customs. They were like, "So here are the chips to put in your phones, so that you can use them in Dubai, and we can track you." And they were like, "Uh, wait a minute, what? So maybe this is like that." And when they arrived in Italy, mm-hmm. the Italian government just tracks every every suspicious group of old ladies that shows up. Uh the. Candace well, Green they're looking them- for
0: that infernal French cri- criminal Lupin, who mm-hmm. has been seen <laughs>
1: <laughs> see. around
0: the countryside,
1: and they, th- and they think one of them, one of these four, might be Lupin. He's a master of disguise,
2: Elliot. Not Lupin yeah. the third, the uh, Japanese animated guy, right?
0: No, not that one. <laughs> but no, he's his, great. The first one, his grandfather, the he first just, Lupin. <laughs> he's uh, he's immortal. <laughs> yeah, the
1: rabbit, as they call him. Uh, so the next morning, uh, the police chief shows up. He, Candace Bergen gives him a tough love speech so that he will free them from jail and you know what they've got to get to Tuscany in like 15 minutes there's only one way to get there police chopper Learjet That's right. oh uh, no he flies them there in a police <laughs> chopper <laughs> They, Seven league boots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they have
1: to there's fold a, the map.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, a tesseract. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, there's a
1: wrinkle in time that they can use to get there, uh, and uh, and Mrs. What and Mrs. Who and Mrs. Witch are there to find <laughs> to take them right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the on the way, they stop through Ant Beast's uh, realm of darkness. Uh, but anyway, they on the way, uh, he gives Diane Keaton permission to scatter her husband's ashes, and she accidentally drops the whole urn because she's a real klutz. And we, we don't see it land on an Italian person's head and kill them. But uh, <laughs> maybe that's what happens. Yeah, uh,
2: you expected somebody to be sitting in an outdoor cafe and be like, yeah, I'd like some Parmesan cheese and then all the ashes to land <laughs> on it. <laughs> they're like, oh, that's too much, but I'll like it anyway.
1: Uh, uh, and they're uh, like, uh, yummy. It, oh, delicious. smoky. I refuse to pay extra for the black truffle shavings. Then I will not then then you want to get it. And then the ashes fall and they go, the joke's on you. Free black truffle shavings. Mmm. Oh, it tastes like human. Yeah. Did you say taste like human? No, like human, like human ashes. Uh-huh. How do you know what that tastes like? It's a long story. Anyway.
0: You remember that movie Alive?
1: <laughs> that was a you? No, but after I watched it, I really wanted to know what it was like. <laughs>
0: I chartered a plane with my five most delicious-looking friends.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, I was uh, despite I was, all uh, my efforts, it never crashed. Anyway, it's a funny
1: story. But I was on a girls' high school soccer team, and well, long story short,
2: we're <laughs> I all camels now. That's kind of funny. I mean, the book club joke was book club. <laughs> <laughs> There's no so, book club. <laughs> so, uh, in our book club episode, I love it. Uh,
1: <sighs> yeah, and so. uh they, uh, some, this is the moment I think, Dan, maybe you had the same reaction I did, which is, yeah, they're at the hotel where the wedding is taking place. And I looked at the runtime and saw there were still 30 minutes
0: left in the movie. crazy. I was like, what else in this plotless movie, what needs to be resolved? What
1: could possibly happen? Well, uh, the excitable wedding planner tells them the wedding is all ready. Uh, Andy Garcia's even there with the dress Diane Keaton wore at the wedding dress store and she gets to wear it. Jane Fonda's nervous. She feels sick. What if this wedding shouldn't happen? Which, by the way,
0: that, Hold on, it, it like we can't pass over the fact that it is wild that Diane Keaton is wearing this wedding dress to <laughs> someone else's wedding. Well, mm-hmm. it's
1: wild until you see the turn of events that happen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but unless she <laughs> she's a precog, this is a strange decision that she has made. Anyway, I mean,
1: they're breaking all the rules. This is her friend's yeah. first marriage at the age of eighty. You know, uh, this is and that should have been the tip off at the beginning. She says, says. Oh, she when she says, how does a 70-year-old woman get married? You should have known Jane Fonda's not getting married in this. Because Jane Fonda, I'm sorry, Jane, you should never reveal a woman's age, but she's not 70. Like, this, mm. you know, she's, she was in mm-hmm. 80 for Brady. We know she's in her 80s. It's almost like Jane yeah. Fonda doesn't think we watch all the of her clues. movies all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues to, to understand <laughs> Jane Fonda's true age.
0: They are in the title.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the uh, Jane Fonda's nervous. She's sick. Now Diane Keaton has to give her a talk about not being afraid, just go with love, etc. cetera. But Don Johnson priest, looks great. Yeah, Don Johnson looks great, but the priest is missing. How can they get married without a priest? Oh, no, oh, no. Wedding's
2: over. We need to have somebody who is ordained and legally allowed to marry people in Italy. Unfortunately, uh, we don't
1: have that. So <laughs> Candace Bergen steps in to say she'll perform the ceremony, which I was like, you are an American judge. You uh, Can you just step in and perform a marriage in Italy and also – did they get a license or a permit? I don't well, know how it works in Italy. Maybe in Italy it's more
0: loosey-goosey, but. Uh, double those objections to what is about to happen, but. Uh,
1: yeah, and so anyway. I know I only know one person who ever got married in Italy. I meant to ask her ahead of time what process they had to go to. I forgot, so I apologize, guys. I didn't do my due diligence. But it's okay. Can, but apparently you can just step in as a judge and just perform the ceremony. It doesn't matter. Does she have jurisdiction? It doesn't matter. It's book club. They make their own rules. Their luggage is stolen. They don't care. The police fly them around and let them dump urns onto people's heads. Like it's whatever. These ladies rule Italy. So uh, that's when, but the wedding hasn't started yet. Craig T. Nelson calls Mary and is like, oh, so this guy texts you these pictures. And she's like, I can explain... She doesn't have to. He's at the wedding too. He showed up. It's amazing. Did he bring
0: Dauber with him? <laughs> <laughs> yep, he doesn't go anywhere without Dauber. <laughs> yep.
1: has to. And this is where, I thought this movie was gonna do something kind of cheesy but sweet, but they don't do it. She goes, I wish I could just snap my fingers and you would be here. And I want him to say, go ahead, snap your fingers. And then she would snap them and he would show up. I thought that would have been like cheesy but sweet. But instead he goes- "Yep." I don't know, don't you think the flowers are a little bit too much? Maybe there's one flower too much and he shows up with a flower for her. And I was like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's anyway, I I didn't like it. They they missed a real opportunity there.
2: He should have gone back to rewrites for
1: that one. Yeah, exactly. He didn't care. No one cares. No one cares about Book Club, the next chapter. And why should they? To be honest, again, they're putting the amount of effort into this that it deserves. During the ceremony, Jane Fonda, she gives Don Johnson a whole speech about she never thought she would get married, but now she's in love with him and she's got to let love go. Then he gives a speech back to her about how he never wants to hold her back. He never wants to trap her in a marriage. You know what? What he loves about her is her freedom and her free-spiritedness. So he gets down on his knee and he proposes again. He goes, will you not marry me? And everyone laughs and Candace pronounces them not man and wife. And if I were a guest who flew all the way to Tuscany for this <laughs> wedding and they decided, you know what? we we'll are just doing a joke, not married thing. I'd be so happy. Fucking pissed. Yeah. Like,
2: I would wait so until bad. I see the reception, Elliot. If okay, yeah, it was good the, and it was
0: idea, open bar, I'd be true. cool with it.
1: If I if they're like, hey, a guess what? A lot of what?
0: negronis. A lot of if things. they get At-
2: Captain Panaka to do fucking Gloria again, <laughs> nice
0: cheeses and meats. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: you're right. You're right. It's all stuff I can't get where I live. The United States uh, of America, the home of everything.
0: I this. Bo- look, I understand. Like there are a lot of philosophical reasons not to get married. And uh-huh. if that is your feeling about it, I, I you know, I'm not going to say, like, like, marriage is the root. I don't think that marriage is the root for everyone. But there's a th- weird thing that happens in movies sometimes where, like, all it is is, like, oh, you know, like, I just don't, I don't know, like, they just, like, feel weird about marriage, like, or, like, they don't want to be, like, pinned down. And yet, like, they're making still kind of a lifelong commitment to one another, and in the context of a movie, like, when it's not for, like, that kind of philosophical reason, it always sort of annoys me. I'm just like, just get married. Like, you're you're, you're getting old. Like, make sure that you can get into the hospital to see one another. Like, well, I mean,
1: well, that's the thing. Real, I mean at the, this like, point, they should get married for exactly just that reason, so that they can make medical decisions about each other.
0: Yeah. You know? Like, I don't, like I, I don't know. This idea of, like, oh. I'm still such a free spirit, but we're still going to be together forever. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I mean, but but it means that every day they are making a choice deliberately to stay together. Yeah, they're not yeah. just following momentum. They're not just doing it because they're legally bound. They're making that choice every day, and they don't have that many days left, as Jane Fonda keeps saying. Yeah. So there is a the uh, there's a I mean there's a fair number of jokes about how they all think they're going to die soon and they're not going to be married for long like they yeah. they're they're very open with Jane Fonda about like you got to do it now cuz you're going to be dead soon and maybe that's the the dark heart of book club anyway dan mm-hmm. don't worry don't worry this, this, the holy- I can't
2: believe we went all this way and we don't get a single fucking wedding. What is well, going on?
1: Stuart, don't get mad because the holy, solemn covenant of marriage will claim two victims this day. Just not the victims you thought because Andy Garcia, in the laziest possible way, pulls Diane Keaton aside and is like, hey, let's get married, babe. And then Candace Bergen, again, the laziest way, marries them. They don't even know. He's I don't
0: like, leave- bro, can I have
1: that
2: ring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Whoa. bro, if you're not gonna use those <laughs> ring, hand them to me. Jams it on Diane's finger. Candace is like, you doing this? And they're like- deaf. And then they do it. and Yeah. And this and is the moment
0: in which I'm like, you need a fucking wedding <laughs> license. Yeah. You need, like anyone who's been married knows that there's a lot of hoops you have to go through. Well, before. and even on top
1: of that, it was established in book club that Diane Keaton has grown children. And she's like, yeah. eh, they don't need to be here for this unless they showed up for my best friend's last minute wedding in Italy, which seems like a big ask of your children <laughs> for, them, for them to attend that. Uh so she's like, I don't care. I'm doing it. Uh, they get married. They drive off in the just-married uh, uh, car. It turns out in this big twist, an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist, that it was Diane Keaton talking about herself in the VO. And uh, Diane yeah, Keaton I runs mean. out of the car to give her friends one final hug. And then it's off to the credits as what plays again? You guessed it. God damn it. Mambo Italiano. We have to hear it again.
0: Were you able to see the credits? Because on, on Wikipedia or some or IMDb, somewhere it told me that, like, The credits had a bunch of, like, behind-the-scenes shots that I actually kind of wanted to see. But uh, I think I watched this on Peacock. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever it was, like, immediately cut the credits off. There was not even an option Ah. to watch the credits. And— if it had been a movie other than book club the next chapter yeah. that would have made me very angry <laughs> it was uh,
2: yeah it was interesting my streaming service also uh it cut the movie off the moment the credits started playing but i think that was user error <laughs> mm. uh
1: so I, so i did see the credits and yes next to the credits it does show just photographs of them making the movie but it's not interesting it's like they're like vacation photos it's like everyone yeah. posing everyone having a great time i wanted and to see
0: ted danson show up i heard D- that Ted is danson f- was there. In is there is a
1: photo of ted danson there uh, that and him with mary <laughs> is in front he of the dancing statues. no he is not dancing <laughs> it is. Uh, but I, like, honestly if ted danson dancing tonight was uh, was was a show that was going up i'd go see it for sure but it's a he danced it, a lot it,
0: in body heat <laughs>
1: I mean, if you call that, I mean, a little dancing. It's not like tap dancing. It does a little bit of like shuffling, but it's not it, not a number. It's not like a big dance number or something like that. Uh, uh. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Becker is it's full more of dancing musical numbers, than you I imagine. more dancing than I'd imagine from a from a secondary from role Body in Heat. Body Heat. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Not the character I expect to do the dancing in Body Heat. Uh, but yeah, so he shows up, and to be honest, seeing Ted dance in one of those pictures was the most exciting thing in the movie. Uh, mm. But the. It just, it's one of those things, they want to show you how much fun they had making the movie, which I don't, as you know, I'm a big killjoy. I don't like my professionals to have fun. And seeing that, it's just like, they're like, look at all the fun we had. You weren't there. Instead, you watched the movie we made, which is not very good. And so it felt like they were rubbing my nose in how much fun they had on this this trip. Let's
0: get into that with uh, Final Judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. I'm going to say, off the bat, original book club i was i was a little soft on it i was surprised i was like you know what not great but i enjoyed myself i had a good time at book club it actually made me emotional once or twice uh good to see all these people um this movie i can't bring myself to hate it like i still these are still people performers that i love there is a charm in seeing them just like Shuffle around making these like bad jokes they've been fed, and putting as much professionalism and spin on them as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it is so little, <laughs> like what this movie is <laughs> at its core. The, there's a basic nothingness to this film that prevents me from saying, "I kind of liked it. I will say it is bad, bad, but I don't dislike it necessarily.
2: Yeah, this is a bad, bad movie that I'm not mad at. Uh I like all these ladies, Uh, but, I mean, there's nothing there. This is barely a movie. This is like, uh if you left this on for your pets to watch, <laughs> your pets would get bored. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, it's it's a bad, bad movie. It, there's not enough there to get to hate. You know, there's not enough substance yeah. to hate. But, yeah, and yeah. again, yeah. These leads are super charming. They're great. They're legends, but- If that's,
2: uh, I guess that's our only alternative to giant IP blockbusters, right, Elliot? Well,
1: that's the thing. Right now, it feels like there are two kinds of movies that are made are giant IP tentpole movies and this, basically, and movies that are explicitly aimed at the older audience that is not interested in superheroes or, I don't know, 80s And that's why, and that's
2: probably why, for the most part, like, for a movie star to carry a movie- they're almost always o- over forty at this point, right? Well, I mean that, because- that's
1: partly. You could also say that's that's a result of the movie industry forgetting how to build stars and and prioritizing like like we're saying IP over humans, and so mm-hmm. it no longer knows. That. So it's. I mean, there was there was. I'm not gonna lie, guys. There was a little part of me that that. Was really depressed when I saw the trailer for Wonka or Willy Wonka, whatever it's called, and I was like, "Oh, Timothy Chalamet, uh-huh. there was something special about you." And now that I've seen you in this role, a little bit of that specialness has has gone away. You know, like uh, yeah,
2: you, you, you don't now, think he'd be the best possible Willy Wonka?
1: I mean, not even just that, but I think he's just fodder for the machine now. You know, he's a, as as opposed to someone who who I've seen interesting. I'll things. go,
0: yeah, I'll go into just that. Like I've liked him in the past. I think he's talented in Wonka. I'm like. This man is putting no spin on a character that is an imp of a man <laughs> well like,
1: there, we can we can we can talk about Wonka in more detail, but yet it's like his his performance style is wrong for that character unless yes. unless it's the transformation of someone because and may, which maybe it is because his character's his performance style is a cool, kind of very quiet performance style. Whereas mm-hmm. Willy Wonka is, like you're saying, an imp of a man. Like he's but maybe the movie is about how he finds his energy in Wilder. I don't know. Yeah,
2: maybe he gets like bonked on the head by a uh,
0: coconut or something.
2: But yeah, Noompa Loompa throws
0: we a giant we- <laughs>
2: jelly bean at him.
0: And it turns him into a madman. Bonked by a coconut.
1: Yeah. Um so book club the next chapter. It is a sign of what's wrong in Hollywood right now, but not the way you think.
0: Okay. Hey, we got some sponsors for this show. Don't don't try and claim we don't, because we do. It's uh one of them smalls. Cat food has been the same forever. You know what? It's time for cat food to move into the 21st century with rocket jets. Pew, pew, pew. Wait, no, that's not that's not actually what it is. You you know why you got to try Small's? Because it's protein-packed. It's made with preservative-free ingredients, and it's delivered right to your door. Small's works with leading cat nutritionists to create recipes that are exactly what your little furball craves and needs. After making the switch to Small's, 78% of cat owners reported their cats had shinier and softer fur, and 90% reported overall health improvements. That's a big deal. You can try it risk-free. If your cat won't eat their food, they will refund you. Hey, as a man who has no children, unlike Elliot, all I got are these cats.
1: You have no children that are unlike Elliot, and that all your children children children. are like Elliot.
0: All my children are Elliot clones. (laughs) (laughs) But... Uh, you know, I can't quite love them like I love these little fur balls. So uh, I'm just saying, if you love your little fur ball, don't you want them to have good food? Mm -hmm. Not just like... Pellets of, I don't know, grain and stuff they sweeped up from the abattoir floor. Boo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Boo to that food. I'm booing
1: that. I'm booing the alternate. Okay, I thought you were booing
0: me. Higher quality ingredients mean a healthier and happier life for your kitty. So head to smalls.com slash flop and use promo code flop at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use our code flop for 50% off your first order. One last time, that is promo code FLOP, 50% off your first order, plus free shipping.
1: And I just want to make a a short addendum. You should get smalls for your little fur ball, but if your little fur ball is a mogwai, please don't feed them smalls after midnight.
0: Yeah, that's... Please don't. It's important. We
2: also have a j-j-jumbotron. That's right. We have a jumbotron, and it reads like this. Puppet Masters slash Castle Freaks is a new podcast all about full moon features, empire, international films, and the direct to video horror boom of the 80s and 90s. Each week, Jared Hornbeck and Steve Guntley discuss a film from the full moon catalog with movies like Puppet Master, Head of the Family, Castle Freak, and many, many, many more. Equipped with a deep love and knowledge of Z-grade horror and featuring some amazing guests, Puppet Masters slash Castle Freaks is the perfect podcast for horror fans. So check out Puppet Masters slash Castle Freaks wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Sounds like the perfect podcast for Stu. And now here's a podcast
2: for you. Podcast. Because
1: we've got another Jumbotron. Do you love podcasts where people watch slash read something and then talk about it? Do you, like Stuart, love demonstrating your knowledge of James Joyce's Ulysses? Are you, like Dan and Elliot, intimidated by your friend's knowledge of Buck Mulligan and cool cigarette cases? Do you love the Virginia Woolf tangents in the Don't Worry Darling and Troll 2 episodes? If so, tipsy-turvy Ulysses is for you. Three friends, Eric, Wendy, and Shinjani, talk about the fun bits of Ulysses every other Friday. Find tipsy-turvy Ulysses on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe.
2: Hmm, finally, 7. somebody as well-read as me. Mm, something <laughs> okay. high-class and
1: literary. I mean, as far as I know, the only books you've read are Ulysses, Cain, <laughs> and a bunch of Warhammer stuff, <laughs> and Gene okay. Wolfe fantasy torture novels, yeah.
2: Hey, guys, uh, hey, listeners, uh, just to give you a perfect example of what haters sound like, <laughs> you just heard
0: one. <laughs> yeah, if you need an example of haters.
2: <laughs> hey,
1: Websters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody.
0: I wanted to make another uh, promo
1: announcement here. As of the recording of this episode, Dan and me, we're still on strike. We are contractually unable to make television right now unless we make television for... For ourselves, that is. So we're loophole. going- Loophole, loophole, <laughs> loophole, brr, 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 air horn, loophole air horn. So we're going independent and hitting the online airwaves and dragging Stu along with us for a Flop TV, a six episode monthly one hour version of this very podcast, August through January, the first Saturday of every month, except for September when it's the second Saturday because of Labor Day. We'll be bringing you all new flop house comedy in an easily digestible televisual form. We'll be doing new PowerPoint presentations. We'll be talking about some of the most requested and most legendary bad movies ever all movies we have not talked about before on the show and we'll be answering questions from you the audience we're kicking things off in August with Beastmaster 2 through the portal of time and then we'll be hitting questionable classics like Cool World Over the Top and Nuki the second worst movie I've ever seen yeah Mm. I know tell me about it
2: Who wrote that down? I thought that was a goof. (laughs) (laughs) Uh
1: Oh, I said it. Now we have to do it. Are you busy during the live airing of the show? That's okay. Buying a ticket gets you access to the show's recording for two weeks after the original air date. Tickets are $7 each for individual shows, or you can buy a season pass for all six shows for $35. That's like getting a whole show for free. Do the math. I'm not lying. Just go to theflophouse.simpleticks.com for tickets and see the list of movies we'll be covering. Remember, that's theflophouse.simpleticks.com for our six-month flop TV live series. I can't wait. Welcome home to the Flophouse.
0: Is Is that our slogan? Yeah. Well,
1: I, I'm just taking TV slogans. They're, I don't, I don't yeah, like those sure. people. I'm stealing their property the way they steal our property to exploit. Yeah,
2: that's true. I'm Jordan Morris, and, and I'm Jesse Thorne. Thorne On Jordan Jesse Go, we make pure delightful nonsense. We rope in awesome guests and bring them down to our level. We got stupid with Judy Greer. My friend Molly and I call it having the space weirds. Pat Oswalt. Can I get a Balrog burger and some Aragorn fries? Thank you. And Kumail Nanjiani. I've come back with cat toothbrushes, which is impossible to use. Come get stupider with us at MaximumFun.org. Look, your podcast app's already open. Just pull it out. Give Jordan Jesse Go a try. Being smart is hard. Be dumb instead. Oh, Ross.
1: Hey. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I found you in line.
0: These clouds are really freaking me out.
1: I hate having to stand in line. And boy, what a line.
0: These giraffes do not smell good. No, they
1: do not. And they have such short necks. But
0: I'm hearing we need to get on this we arc. we got to
1: get on the ark. It yeah. is about to rain. God is about to destroy humanity. Hey, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you Noah?
0: Yeah, I know we look like humans, but we're actually (laughs) we're podcasters. (laughs) We
1: are podcasters, so it's different.
0: Have you heard of Ono Ross and Carrie? We
1: investigate spirituality, claims of the paranormal, stuff like that. (laughs) And
0: you have a boat and say the world's gonna end, so it seemed like something for us to check out.
1: We would love
0: to be on the boat. We came two by two. What do you think? Ono Ross and Carrie. Available on (laughs) maximumfun.org. Uh, Speaking of exploiting content, let's uh, do some letters from listeners. This one's from Jackie, last name withheld. Onassis. Onassis. Who writes? Hiya, fellers. What's the most famous movie location you grew up near? Even though I lived close to tons of Revolutionary War and early colonial stuff, by far the most famous movie location was at our local mall. And not just any mall movie, but the most famous mall movie, Paul Blart: Mall Cop. We all aren't fortunate enough to grow up You're in like. The- Dawn of the Dead is a more famous mall movie. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, well, we, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know at this point. I mean, it does have mall? You're more in the of title. an
2: observe and report
0: guy. <laughs> uh, we aren't all fortunate enough to grow up <laughs> in the Big Apple or La La Land, so recognizing a filming location can be a rare thrill. It was very exciting to see Kevin James segue past the Macy's that used to be a Jordan Marsh or how they made it seem like the Payless Shoes was next to the KB Toys when those aren't even on the same it's floor. Wild.
1: Uh, it's like the bullet car chase all over again.
0: <laughs> or that the CBS smells like mildew because it's next to the Rainforest Cafe. I'm sure it's a lot like when you guys see the Statue of Liberty and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anywho. And stuff. What movie? Made <laughs> I mean, you that yell? store.
1: They, when when they go past that store, Statue of Liberty and stuff. I was like, I know that mm. store.
0: Mm-hmm. What movie made you yell? Hey, I know where that is. Thanks, Jackie. Last name withheld. Um, I, I you know, I grew up in Eureka, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, not known for its big movie productions. Nope. Didn't, pos- they, didn't they shoot a Ghostbusters thing? <laughs> no? <laughs> no. You're thinking of New York City where we're <laughs> oh, yeah, right now. Uh, it's possible. Oh, but they, they
1: shot Book Club the next chapter there, right?
0: No, yeah. that was in Italy. No. Uh, it's,
2: po- it's possible. Oh. National
0: Lampoon's European Vacation. <laughs> that was, uh, I don't know where that was shot. I mean, some of it was shot in Europe, I assume. I remember seeing Big Ben and such, but. Uh-
1: didn't they shoot Mars Needs mom? Needs, needs That's an
0: animated film. I don't <laughs> oh, think they shot but it. It's set in Eureka, right? <laughs> Any, no. Can I just? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's possible that Peoria, Illinois, shows up in that, um, in Jojo Dancer, your life is calling the Richard possible. Pryor pseudo-biopic yeah. since Pryor is from Peoria, but I've never seen it.
1: That's why um, his name it's Pryor and Peoria. sounds so similar.
0: So I don't mm-hmm. have a good answer mm-hmm. for where I grew up, but uh, two notable things about Just in general, I I remember seeing John Wick where a fight starts in a bunch of like Russian baths and then goes like upstairs to like a club. And I realized watching it, I'm like, oh, I, when I saw John Wick, I'm like, I was at both of those locations last weekend. uh, You were, when you were fighting Hitman. Uh, No, I had gone to the Russian bath with my ex and then. Later that weekend was the, the WGA Awards, which were at the Edison Ballroom. Ah. And so it was this case where it's like, as uh, Jackie says, like I'm like, those things aren't connected at all. <laughs> uh, just two different locations. Magic of the movies. But I also remember I saw, just recently watched Past Lives, uh, and there's a scene that takes so place bad. in front of the carousel in Brooklyn Bridge Park. And I was like, I was just sitting there. I was just sitting exactly where those characters are. Um, But what do you guys have? Anything? Uh, My hometown, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, was
2: featured prominently in the indie movies of director Neil Labute uh, in The Company of Men, I believe, opens Mm. with uh, a scene in the Fort Wayne International Airport. I think it's called International because there are some Canadian flights. (laughs) (laughs) Because very because exciting. Indiana wow. it
1: no longer cons- – it, it has never considered Montana part of the United States.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's in our state charter.
1: Uh, I grew up in Milburn, New Jersey, and I could say – like there's a, there's a very res- well-respected regional theater there and a few productions there were filmed for great performances. But I feel like that doesn't really count. Nope, But doesn't. Uh, and there's a scene in the movie Hair – that's set in Short Hills, and I think they shot in Short Hills, which is a neighborhood in Millburn, but I don't know if they did for sure. But the location growing up that seemed to, that people got the most excited about was there was a Meryl Streep, Renee Zellweger movie called One True Thing that they shot mm-hmm. in the next door town of Maplewood, New Jersey, uh, where we'd spent a lot of time. And there used to be a diner there called the Maple Leaf that my family had eaten a lot, and they shot part of the movie in that diner. And for a long time, there was a post-it note above the booth where the character sat that just said, One True Thing booth. They didn't put a sign up. They didn't put a picture up from that scene, just a post-it note that said one true thing booth that I assume fell down many (laughs) times. And eventually they redid the inside of the restaurant and they just never put the post-it note back up again. But the thing that really brings me back, so if I ever watched that movie again, which I don't plan on it, that I would recognize that. But there's two movies that were not about where I grew up, but about places I spent a lot of time as a younger man that really hit me that way. One is the movie *The Landlord*, uh, the great Hal Ashby movie uh, starring Bo Bridges. That's uh, it takes place in Park Slope, Brooklyn, a neighborhood I lived in for many years, and there are buildings there that I recognize very well. And I'm like, that's what that building used to be before it was an expensive yoga studio. It was a barber shop, like that kind of stuff. And seeing that neighborhood at a very different time in its history is exciting. But the the movie, I have to admit, where I got the most thrill of seeing a place that I knew well, and it's a dumb answer. There's a really dumb movie called Robot in the Family about
2: uh,
0: where where <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, n- well nigh unwatchable I would call <laughs> it's a
1: terrible movie. It does have uh, what um, John ruse Davies is in it, right? And uh, uh-huh. and uh, I just
0: remember that robot doing a constant stream of chatter. None yes. of it funny. All of it irritating. <laughs> and the main the main star is
1: uh why am I forgetting his name? You know from uh like uh, sopranos and matrix and stuff like that and uh Joey Pants Joey Pants thank you Joey Pants start is like a is like a an inventor invents a robot and so much of that movie was oh, from shot Oh Bound? Yeah. Yes from Bound. Thank you. From the, Joey Pants the owner of the house that I stayed in once as an Airbnb in Long Island and it, and the dog next door wow. kept barking constantly and none of us could sleep. Uh mm. the uh so, and we didn't know it was his house when we when we when we Airbnb'd it. it was you, did, you didn't surprise. open up the
2: uh, the closets and they're full of pants, and you're <laughs> like,
1: oh, uh, <laughs> wait a minute! Only one person would have pants in their closet. Yeah. Uh, th- that movie, so much of it was shot on this one stretch of Broadway in Manhattan between like 14th Street and 12th or 11th Street, where there there was a bunch of antique shops. I think they're still there. And I used to walk that stretch almost every day, multiple times a day, when I was a student at NYU, going from my dorm on 14th Street to my classes at Washington Square. And I was like, wait a minute. I know that stretch of Broadway so well. Like I know each of those antique stores. i walked by them so many times. And it was, the... F- <laughs> it was. I felt so dumb that I was watching this crappy low budget movie. And I was They're like, oh my now. God, I, I know that stretch of Broadway. And it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a stretch of, a stretch of street in the biggest city in America. Like it's been filmed many times, but that's yeah. the place where I was like, I can't believe this is in a movie. I know that
2: stuff. So robot in the
0: family. Uh, That's
2: his recommendation
0: this week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so this one is from Parker Bennett, our friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super who Mario writes, Brothers writer Parker Bennett. Congrats on your big milestone, guys! I was delighted to hear your commentary on a movie that didn't really qualify as a flop, except in my heart. Trust the floppers to always provide maximum fun. Your friend of the pod, Parker Bennett, the guy who wrote the Super Mario Brothers movie that didn't make one point three four billion dollars and is not at all bitter. So, like, look, this is the kind of value that we provide, guys. You know, what's that? Sometimes it's narrow casting, sometimes it's just for the screenwriter of the Bob Hoskins Super Mario Brothers film. Oh, okay, to let him know that he is appreciated artistically, even yeah. if financially, you know, that he
2: explains was, our Super Mario Brothers hit piece trouble. we put together. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm gonna say, Parker, you know, that if it makes you feel any better. You know that even if you had written this one, you wouldn't see a dime of residuals on it. <laughs> yeah, they come up the with truth. so many accounting tricks. I, I'm con- I constantly uh, amazed by uh, Ed Solomon's Twitter feed. Ed Solomon, the writer of Men in Black, among other things. how He, he writes constantly a lot about how Men in Black is still every year, according to the studios, losing money. And so he has never seen residuals off of it. The movie that they made two sequels and then tried to expand the franchise with over a number of years, never made money. It loses yeah, money even after every year. all of these you know, years I mean, when presumably yeah.
0: – All of the costs associated with the film.
1: Yeah. I once, I read, I don't know if this is true. I read that one thing that studios would do is make DVDs of the movie, store them, and then destroy them. And that way they can charge to the production the DVD manufacturing, storage fees, and destruction fees. And it's all a way to just not pay the people who worked on the the movie money. So, Parker, don't worry. They'd come up with all sorts of accounting tricks to make sure you didn't see a dime of that $1 billion. Does that make you feel better?
0: (laughs) Sure makes me feel How do you become something. a studio? <laughs> <laughs> How do you
1: become a stu- Well, here's the thing. Uh, you have money, and so mm. that money makes you think you're a genius who knows more than everybody else in the world and that you can do everything.
0: And that's it. Hey, speaking of gripes with the entertainment system, uh-huh. yeah. uh, Elliot, do you want to maybe a little explanation about what we're doing with recommendations uh, if this is what we're officially doing, then yes, I think we are. I think okay. we are. Okay. Well,
1: uh, during this time, uh, it's a guideline that uh, writers are not allowed to promote things that they've worked on, and I know that SAG-AFTRA has made it official that uh, in their guidelines that actors are not allowed to promote things they've worked on, and they want influencers and people online who are part of SAG-AFTRA to not even promote anything coming out from the AMPTP. Uh, members, even stuff that they just like as a fan. And I think that the Flophouse, we're kind of riding that gray line a little bit since we just talked about the book, cl- book club, the next chapter for an hour. Although I don't know that we made it that sound that appealing. But uh, we would also like to follow in this. We don't want to be directing people towards stuff that's being made right now, not because we want to hurt the people who made those things. And I want to make it sh- clear that we have nothing yeah. against the people who made those products, but why are we doing advertising work or promotion for these companies? conglomerates and companies that are stiffing us and not treating the people who made those things properly. And so we're going to do our best, we may slip up sometimes, we're going to do our best to recommend things that would will not be driving business to you say movies that are in the theaters right now. Uh, and we'll figure out what those restrictions are as we do them. Uh, but I'm going to follow them uh, as strictly as I can. So you guys want to hear what my recommendation is? To yeah, I recommend do something. it. To be honest, I was going to recommend this this anyway because I just saw it recently for the first time and I was really blown away by it. It's something that I was not familiar with at all and I stumbled on it and maybe the listeners are very familiar with it. It's called
2: it. Blown but, Away. Anyway,
1: mm. it's called, yeah. The uh, But this is a, I want, I want to recommend a short from 1976. This is a movie that's only about 12 minutes long. It was directed by uh, a British filmmaker named John Smith and it's called The Girl Chewing Gum. And it is a movie in which You are watching a street in London. Much of it is a locked-off shot of this street, and there is a voice off-camera that appears to be directing everyone who appears on the street into what they're doing. I want that truck to move forward a little bit. Now stop. Now keep moving forward. Now the man with the black jacket will walk through. Now the girl chewing gum is going to walk through. And it becomes clearer and clearer as you watch it that the person who you assumed had complete directorial authority and control over this is really just – describing the things that are happening <laughs> and it begins to call even more and more attention to kind of the artificiality of what seemed at first to be a very straightforward situation and anyway it's uh, i thought it was really cool again like i said i stumbled on it uh, and it's only 12 minutes long it doesn't take a lot of time to watch it but i found it really fascinating and it's called the girl chewing gum and you know i'm not i don't know much about avant-garde short film i know about meshes of the afternoon and that's about it so this is opening an exciting new world of film to me because every time i think i know a lot about movies I watch a movie that shows me I don't know that much about movies. There's yeah. always a larger world out there, and that's very exciting. The Girl Chewing Gum, directed by John Smith.
0: You know what I'm going to recommend? I'm going to swerve hard away from recommending even any entertainment. I'm going to recommend, here's the thing. Pain. Hammocks. Oh, Guys, hammocks. <laughs> so uh, a couple years back uh, when, unlike now, I uh, was not on strike. I had a backyard, um, and I, on a whim, put on my Amazon wish list for, uh, like, Christmas or whatever, a hammock. Not like a hammock you got to string up between trees, but a hammock that comes, you know, with a frame. You can put it on the frame. Self-contained hammock. All of the work has been, been taken out of hammocks, guys. Oh, you don't have finally. to— Tie a thing around a tree and worry whether it you know, you've know you done it right. You just put it over a frame. You got yourself a hammock. You don't have to worry a that hammock. a
1: cartoon dog is going to run by exactly. chasing a cartoon cat and spin you around in it.
0: Now, I no longer have a backyard, but I do have a small balcony. And you know what? That hammock fits out there just right. It's been too hot lately during the summer to spend any time in a hammock. I've been too busy to spend any time in a hammock. But when it's cooler and I get the chance... Nothing like a little hammock time. So that's my that, recommendation.
1: That was that Stop, hit rap. hammock. I was gonna say that, <laughs> that hit rap song from M. C. Hammock, right? Yeah, hammock time. <laughs> yep. Please hammock. Don't relax them. <laughs> yep. Dan, oh, I'll tell you. I used to have a hammock like that. Super, super relaxing. That's a great oh,
2: recommendation. So good. I always, I always find hammocks a little bit stressful. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing it you wrong. Doing it wrong. Maybe got, I, I mean, getting Dan. into them,
1: I find, and getting out of them, I find stressful. But once you uh, go, overcome that challenge. Yeah. It's, yeah, then it's just great. It's like you gotta earn it. It's like religion. You gotta do the work to earn the salvation.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So do you do you just like jump in all at once or do you uh do you like I wouldn't roll recommend in jumping in
0: all at once? No, you just sort of you sit down sort of normally Okay, and, normal style. <laughs> uh, I I was thought rotate. That you, you actually like it's better to lay kind of across the hammock than it is to fully sort of put yourself in the hammock. Uh, uh okay. so you're like fully parallel to the hammer. I'm gonna have to watch uh mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to watch some YouTube videos. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of ins and outs. You're gonna want
2: to take a class on the lear-
1: at the learning annex about <laughs>
2: yeah. this. Uh man, so uh what what do I recommend here? Uh uh I could recommend shirts without sleeves. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good move, especially when it's hot out. Wearing one right mm-hmm. now. Man, I'm wearing one right now. That would work. Look at those armpits. And that, look at my armpits. Out. Yeah. Uh, the audience can't the world. see them,
1: but there they are. Just, uh, just, just they'll saying probably hello, see here we are. Yeah. I mean y- you can't could, hide us.
2: You just buy like a regular shirt, you know, mm-hmm. and then you just, yeah. just, just cut, cut, cut the them sleeves off, with off. Scissors. Yeah, you well, got I mean, it. Get out if, here. Well, if, I mean,
1: If you've been working out, out enough, then you can just flex and the sleeves will tear off.
2: Oh. Uh but wait, I can't do that. Is is Elliot saying I don't work out enough? Uh oh. Yeah, you better go to the gym
0: today. Are you
2: making my brain
0: I'm still unclear. Is that your recommendation or?
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess, sure. My recommendation is going to be tank tops. You know, the thing about a tank top, (laughs) uh, you know, it's all gender. It's great. Recommend Mm it. You don't have to buy a specific tank top. You can buy a T-shirt and just cut the sleeves off. I would recommend measuring about halfway between the shoulder seam and the neck seam. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, that's the style I like, you know. And and Uh, now by recommending
1: tank tops, you are not in any way... uh, uh, recommending militarism
2: or support nope. for for, uh, for violent aggressive action? Nope. Nope. I'm recommending maybe find another use for uh, an article of clothing you already own that maybe hasn't seen a lot of use lately. Okay. Maybe some so, old T-shirts you don't need anymore. So it's not a top for an actual tank? No. Although, I mean, I guess if you have a tank, you might as
0: well put a top on it. <laughs> <laughs> like the old saying said. Mm-hmm. Um well, I hope you know, just another reason to hope for a rapid end to uh, to the strike. If you happen to hate the new direction that recommendations are going, if you love it, uh, still let's hope for the strike end.
1: I'm just I'm amazed that I'm amazed that I was like, I'll outdo these guys. I'm going to recommend like this British avant-garde student film from the 70s, and you're like, No, we're going to outdo you. We're not even uh, recommending movies anymore.
0: Yeah, we're breaking. We're barely even recommending things. Yeah, we're yeah, just, just talking true. about. A couple things we enjoy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things to enjoy, why not go over to MaximumFun.org? They got a whole bunch of things to enjoy, podcasts primarily. Although, if you like merch, you know, you can get merch. Uh, you want a shirt to cut the sleeves off of? Yeah, uh, you have. Them. And you, can get and you don't Flop even have to. They,
1: they sell a Flophouse tank top, so you don't even need to cut <laughs> the sleeves off if you don't want to.
0: This may have changed by the time uh, you hear this, but if you can't find Flophouse, uh, we've discovered that it is under T for the. Yeah, In the if, nice if, fun if, store.
1: If, if the items, if you say uh, organize items A to Z, go to the T section because that's yeah. where the
0: Flophouse is located for T-shirts, comma Flophouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, thank you to Alex Smith, our producer. He goes by the name Howell Dottie on various socials. He does a lot of stuff. He does music. He does Twitch streams. He is a Renaissance man. Um, and uh, that's basically it. I can see Elliot wanting to say something about how he's you know living in the modern era maybe he's not actually uh, from the renaissance but then he thought better of it he's I, now he's well, looking I at was, me I was going to make to fun say,
1: of the I was going to make fun of the way you said renaissance like there was a z in it like <laughs> okay. pizza and I was like maybe that's how they say it in Italy I don't know I've never been there I, but I did want to say also remember we've got our series of live shows coming up go to the go to the com to learn more and to buy tickets or If you or and slash or in addition to, if you want to do your part to help the writers and artists on strike or you want to help anyone involved in the entertainment community who needs help, then entertainmentcommunity.org, the Entertainment Community Fund, uh, is the place to donate. And there's another place they only found about recently. If you go to tusctogether.com, that's the Union Solidarity Fund, and that is for help for uh, other unions, crew unions uh, beyond just Actors, writers, directors, uh, everyone is being hurt by the AMPTP's complete dickish refusal to pay people properly. And donations to both of those areas will help people should they need that help, and they may need it. So thank you very much for your support.
0: We appreciate it. And thank you for your support by listening to us, The Flop House, which has just ended this episode. For The Flophouse, I have been Dan McCoy. Oh, uh, I'm Stuart Wellington.
2: <laughs> I'm Elliot Kalen
1: and I was not taken by surprise because, as Dan mentioned, explained ahead, we're ending the episode now. I wouldn't have known, but he told me, and I appreciated yeah. it. Yeah. Okay,
2: bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of half-hearted, that one. <laughs> yeah. Here's how it starts.
1: Just do it. <laughs> I can't believe you're putting me in the position of having to be like, yeah, let's just do it already. Enough flexing around.
0: <laughs> That's the trick I play. Okay. Uh, okay, it starts like this. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artists-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.